When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, welcome to another Wisco Fanatics bonus episode. We are live at the Wisco Collect event in Memory Lanes in Clintonville. Uh, thank you to Wisco Collect for inviting us to this, actually. Um, and then uh, we had a chance, if you uh, scroll back on our video or on our page, you can see the videos that we did. We talked to Cardboard Legacy. We owe a thank you to for the giveaway, um, which first person to comment at the 10-minute mark what the special phrase was. Um gets a chance to win we have a jordan love a very special rookie card to include uh we're gonna put some fan locks in there some let's go fanatic stuff in there we have a Giannis pop figure so if you if you have a chance scroll back through our content figure out what the key phrase was and other than that we have a handful of wisconsin sports what if questions to discuss today so the first one that we're going to do is what if the Packers had drafted Barry Sanders and Sterling Sharp didn't get hurt. The The landscape of the 90s Green Bay Packers would look a lot different. But Jake is going to talk on Sterling Sharp and I'm going to talk on Barry Sanders, what that team would look like uh, if those two things hadn't happened. So, Yeah, so you said the landscape of the 90s backs. I think the landscape of the NFL would look a lot different. Uh, the angle that I'm taking is one where I'm going to be making an argument that Favre and Sterling Sharp would be the, the GOAT quarterback wide receiver uh, duo that ever happened in the NFL. So what I did was I looked up their stats together and they were together for 1992, 93, and 94. Um, that's two of three. Uh, no, that's only one of his, his MVP years. But when he when they were together, far through 38 touchdowns, 35 touchdowns, and 39 touchdowns in those three seasons. So Brett Favre was absolutely killing it. Favre and Sharp connected on 42 touchdowns in that span. That's an average out of 14 per season. That is disgusting. <laughs> so the Packers, in my opinion, you know, they obviously went on to win Super Bowl 31. If, if Sterling Sharp never gets hurt, I think the Packers go on to win Super Bowl 32 and 30. That's just my personal opinion. Um, you have a guy who was the first player ever to get 100 receptions in a season, Sterling Sharp. You have a guy, Brett Favre, who won uh, three consecutive MVPs. Um, he would have got a Super Bowl MVP in that time had Sterling Sharp been there. He would have put up some monster numbers against, against Denver or uh, Denver, I guess, because I made back to back. So when I, when I was looking this up, what I did was I averaged out their seasons, you know, their stats, if they played together for 10 seasons. And what I came to is they, they would have had 1,046 receptions between between the two of them. That's 104 per season. 
they would have had 12,846 yards. That is 1,284 a season. And they would have had 140 touchdowns, which still gives you your 14 touchdowns per season. So when you think about that stuff, you know, the 1,046, uh, the 12,846, and the 140 touchdowns, now we want to compare that, right? Because that's what you do in sports. And when you think of quarterback-wide receiver duos, like the greatest of all time, the first names that pop up are Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. Rightfully so, right? So when you look at their numbers, they had 386 receptions, 6,710 yards, and 67 touchdowns in only 77 games. That is nuts. They also won two Super Bowls together. So, you know, you have to take that stuff into account. And obviously you heard, I think, that, you know, Favre and Sharp would have won two or three of them together. So then the next one you go to, and I have a whole new respect for Marvin Harrison after looking this up. Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison, oh, they have some monster numbers. 965 receptions, 12,878 yards, 114 touchdowns in, in 158 games. They obviously only won the one Super Bowl together, which is a gigantic blunder. And as Tyler and I were talking, that's a discussion for a different day if you want to talk about, you know, teams that should have won one. So when you take those numbers into account, you look at uh, the Sterling Sharp and Brett Favre numbers, you come away thinking like, yeah, it's very possible that these two could have been the greatest wide receiver running back or wide receiver quarterback duel of all time. And then to your point, you know, transitioning to your segment, imagine adding Barry Sanders in that. Dude, so 1989, Packers drafted. We know they drafted Tony Mandarich. He was one of the bigger busts in NFL history, especially when you consider that four of the top five picks in that draft are Hall of Famers, and Tony Mandarich is the one that's not. Um but the fact is, going into the 89 draft, I don't blame the Packers for making the pick. Um, Tony Mandarich, as an offensive lineman, finished sixth in the Heisman voting. Yeah, that's crazy. That's why that, a, that an offensive lineman was able to finish that high in the Heisman voting. Um, and it is it is really a sad story with Tony Mandarich, um, you know, what he ended up going through as far as uh, his, his issues that he had and what ended up causing his downfall. But – you add a dominant running back to the Green Bay Packers in 1989 for Barry Sanders, who was all pro in all three of his first three seasons in the NFL. Looking at the Green Bay Packers, they could have desperately used a clutch running back in those seasons. 1989, Green Bay Packers' leading rusher was a fullback with 821 yards. In 1989, the second leading rusher on the team was Don Medjugorje. That's not great. Uh, 358 yards. So neither of our two leading rushers in 1989 were a running back. It was a fullback and a quarterback. Uh, in 1990, oh, this is rough. The 1990 Green Bay Packers leading rusher had 311 yards. Barry Sanders in 1990 had 1,304 rushing yards. The Green Bay Packers as a team had 1,369 yards. Nice, but not nice. Yeah, definitely not a nice. Uh, so the Packers as a team only outrushed Barry Sanders himself by 65 yards in 1990. In 1991, the Green Bay Packers leading rusher had 471 rushing yards. The team total had 1,389 rushing yards. 
Oh, Barry Sanders had 1,548. Barry Sanders outrushed the Packers by almost 200 yards in 1991. Oh, my God. 1992, the, the Packers went from to to Brett Favre. The Packers had 1,555 rushing yards, which is better. Barry Sanders had 1,352. Okay. Um, from 92 through 94, the Packers did go 9-7. and seven. In 95, they went 9-5, and five, or 11-5. and five. Um and then in 95 is where the Packers had Edgar Bennett. He rushed for 1,067 1, yards, only had three touchdowns. Uh, Green Bay only had nine rushing touchdowns as a team in 1995. Barry Sanders had 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns by himself. Jesus. So the Packers lost to the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game in 95, 38-27. I think if the Packers have Barry Sanders, I think they win that game and then have a shot at winning back-to-back -back Super Bowls in 95 and 96. I like it. Then in 96, they're still the champs. And then in 97, they lost the Super Bowl by seven points, and the rushing disgustingly lopsided. And we talked about this, Simon and I did last night, that Terrell Davis absolutely carried Jonathan. Absolutely carried him. So in the 97 Super Bowl, Denver had 39 rushes for 179 yards and four touchdowns. The Packers had 20 carries for 95 yards. 1997, Joe uh, Barry Sanders, 2,053 yards and 11 touchdowns. So I think it's very possible that yeah, Greg said Barry made me a Lions fan. I think it's very possible that if the Packers had drafted Barry Sanders, they could have rattled off 95, 96, 97. I see that. I could. In 1998 was uh, Barry Sanders' last year. Green Bay went 11 and five. They lost in the first round of the playoffs to San Francisco by three points. I think they could have had a rematch with Denver in the Super Bowl because San Francisco lost to Atlanta by three, and Atlanta beat Minnesota by three in the NFC Championship game. And then Atlanta got smacked 34 to 19 in the 98 Super Bowl. So you look at three victories by three points, three points, and three points. Packers could have been in the 98 Super Bowl, too. So they could have won three straight, been in a fourth, and been playing the uh, um, playing in the 98 Super Bowl as well. Um, yeah. Well, we also talked about John Elway's first career seven starts when he had one touchdown and nine interceptions. It's a little bit of a rough start there, but as, as far as Barry Sanders goes, I'm shocked that he only has one MVP. He could have easily had three to five MVPs. Um, and like I said, four of the top five picks in the 1989 draft were Hall of Famers, including Deion Sanders. So, all right. Anything else you want to say on Barry Sanders, Sterling Sharp, as it relates to the Packers or life? So I, I said that Arv and Sterling Sharp would have been the best uh, wide receiver quarterback duo. You want to talk about a three-headed monster? You add in the guy that won three straight MVPs. He shared one with another guy we're discussing now, Hall of Famer Barry Sanders. True. And then you add in a guy, like I said before, that had the was the first player in NFL history with 100 receptions. And I averaged out all the numbers for you. Can you imagine that? And then you add in the Packers defense that we got. We had Reggie White out there. I mean, my goodness, dude, those teams would have been – we would have been the best team in the 90s. Could you imagine a Packers offense that could have been averaging 35 to 40 points a game? 
If Barry Sanders and a healthy Sterling Sharp, I sure can. <laughs> Man. Sure can. That would have been a crazy, crazy one. Um, Greg, so you guys are too young for Jamal Anderson and the Dirty Bird Run. I'll tell you about it sometime. All right, buddy. All right. So our next one, Greg, you'll enjoy this because we're going to make fun of Chicago fans for a little while. Yes. Um, sorry, Wizard from the Wizards Den. Not sorry, but um, what if what if the Chicago Bears had drafted Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson? You want me to start on this one? If you want to. All right. So this is how I went about this question. Because when you think about it, there's a lot of different angles you can go, right? Um, the Chicago Bears are a terribly run franchise. I'm sorry. I'm going to hit you guys with truth bombs right now. The management is terrible. The coaching has been terrible. You've had a quarterback carousel for as long as I can remember. Basically, since I've been born. I mean, Jay Cutler was really the only mainstay that I remember. I mean, Kyle Orton was pretty good for a little bit there, but um, – if you had an opportunity and, you know, you traded up for this pick, right, you could have went up and you could have got a Patrick Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson. And Patrick Mahomes wasn't Patrick Mahomes. Now, I know this is going to sound like really crazy people, but you have to go back to 2017, right? And in 2017, Patrick Mahomes had 284 yards, one interception, and he played, like, barely any, any snaps, right? And you look at that 2017 Chiefs roster, they had four pro bowlers. Alex Smith was a pro bowler. He got to sit under Alex Smith for a year and learn the game of football from Alex Smith. Kareem Hunt was a pro bowler. Kareem Hunt was a very, very good player uh, early in his career. Tyreek Hill made his first pro bowl. And Travis Kelsey burst onto the scene. And this, this is the beginning of when he started taking the mantle as the best tight end from Rob Gronkowski because the injuries are starting to stack up on Gronkowski. So you're looking at all these new toys, Terry Kill, Travis Kelsey, Cream Hunt, and then you're going to throw a guy in there that can throw across the field blindfolded with his left arm. And it's just like, yeah, it's a match made in heaven. And I didn't even bring up that he is with one of the most successful offensive coaches of all time in NFL history as his head coach. So this Mahomes to Kansas City, this was just the stars aligning perfectly in my opinion. I don't think a Mahomes who got to sit for a year would have turned into the Mahomes that we see now. I'm not saying the talent would have, wouldn't have been there, but the management, you know, you start up top. The Hunts, they're terrific owners. They do the right things for their players. Um, obviously, we've seen that with Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, you know, and Mahomes, obviously. But, you know, they do the right things. From the top down, it's just it's tremendous, right? The Bears are not run like that. So I don't think Mahomes would have turned into Mahomes because his first year, starter in 2018, over 5,000 passing yards, 50 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and an 80 QBR. That is tremendous for anybody, let alone your first year as a starter, right? But when you get to go into an offense with a Tyreek Hill, who obviously we know, um, he's kind of changing how GMs look at wide receivers, right? Uh, he had that guy. You know, he has one of the top two or three tight ends of all time. So you, you take that stuff into consideration. Now we go to Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, uh, he's coming off of a national championship game uh, win. Um, he he started, he played seven games in 2017. And he had 1,699 yards, 19 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He had an 83.7 QBR. So actually a better QBR than Mahomes' 50 touchdowns, which is insane. <laughs> but you look at that 2017 roster for the Texans, and you're going to think about the Texans and think they were terrible. In 2017, they had a very decent roster. Jonathan Joseph was over there making Pro Bowls. Um, they had J.J. Watt, who was one of the best uh, defensive players of all time. If injuries didn't happen, I think there's a real case for J.J. Watt being the best defensive player ever. 
like the injuries really derailed his number yeah. though he still has some disgusting numbers. You know, first player with 20 plus sacks except season and stuff like that. He also had DeAndre Hopkins. You guys remember how good DeAndre Hopkins was when he first burst onto the scene? The guy has five X hands. Of course you're gonna complete the ball to him. He's wearing oven mitts. So you look at Deshaun Watson, obviously in 2018, he, play, he played some more snaps, one in seven games. 4,165 yards, 26 touchdowns, nine picks, he had a 61 QBR. So this guy was running, he was he was passing, and I personally think that if they would have drafted Deshaun Watson, he would have fit better in Chicago with the mentality. Um, he was a winner in college, and he's just a gamer, right? You know, as you get later into his career, obviously he had the – the off the scandal, field. you know, the off the field problems. He's not the same person anymore. But if you remember Deshaun Watson when he first came to the NFL, that guy was a baller. I mean, he threw a touchdown. This was in uh, 2019. He threw a touchdown while getting kicked in the face. <laughs> so the guy, the guy is pretty good. The Chicago Bears would be in a much better position if they drafted Deshaun Watson, but they didn't. So, haha. <laughs> Greg said JJ's magic year was one of NFL history's greatest. He was probably the MVP by Aaron Rodgers. This should go well with the host. I was that 2011? Was it 11 or 14? I think it was. You're referring to 2011? Was that the year that he caught a touchdown? And he also had like two defensive touchdowns? I, think that's the year I don't know. I, it's hard to beat the 15 and 1 Packers. It's that's tough. That's tough. If you're talking about, I mean, you're coming, you're a quarterback coming off of a, a Super Bowl victory, and then you put up those kind of numbers. I mean, yeah. he was basically becoming the darling of the NFL. What did he have like 48 and four that yeah, year? Yeah, it, it was ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So the way I look at it, I kind of went more like year by year. So Chicago had the number two pick in 2017. Yep. They could have had Mahomes. They could have had Watson. They could have had Christian McCaffrey. The 2017 draft was really good. Pretty good. The <laughs> they didn't. They drafted Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you really look at what could have been, if you put a great or a great quarterback with some of those really good Bears defenses, it's it's a little scary, honestly. Um, yeah. Robert said I was even saying Houston was set for years with him. He was great in his first few years. He absolutely was. So you look at 2018. Patrick Mahomes wins the MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. That in itself is very rare. The Bears that season were 12 and four. Could you imagine MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Mahomes with the 12 and four Bears defense? That would have been disgusting. That team probably wins the Super Bowl. To oh, be honest with you, guaranteed. If they, if you take the Chiefs' offense with that Bears defense, oh yeah. Meanwhile, that season, the Green Bay Packers were 6-9-1 and one in Mike McCarthy's final season as a Packers head coach. Yeah, that was rough. Bears could have used this pick to pull away from the rest of the NFC North. The Texans went 11-5 and five that year. Deshaun Watson threw over 4,000 yards with 26 touchdowns and added 550 rushing yards <laughs> and five rushing touchdowns. 2019, the Bears went 8-8. Eight and eight. Chiefs went 12-4, and four, won the Super Bowl. Texans went 10-6. and six. Deshaun Watson... Had 3,852 yards and 26 touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes had 4,000 yards and 26 touchdowns. Mitchell Trubisky, 3,100 yards and 17 touchdowns in 15 games. Nice. Packers went 13 and three that season with the first head, uh, the first year head coach Matt Four. So Bears are not trending in a great direction after missing out on these two quarterbacks potentially. Mm -hmm. 2020, the Bears go eight and eight again. They make in as a wild card team. 
score only nine points. That season, Mitchell Trubisky started nine games. Nick Foles started seven games. And Deshaun Watson led the NFL with 4,823 yards and 33 touchdowns. Mm. Packers went 13-3 again. Chiefs went 14-2. Patrick Mahomes had a 38 touchdown, six interception season with 4,740 yards. And Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. That was good times. <laughs> 2021, the Bears drafted another quarterback after going 6-11. and 11, And they had Justin Fields. They had Foles on the team and Andy Dalton. Deshaun Watson obviously didn't play in 2021, and Aaron Rodgers won another MVP. Still good times. 2022, the Bears went 3-14, and 14, and Justin Fields was randomly considered good because of his rushing ability. Uh, Deshaun Watson only played six games after his suspension, and Patrick Mahomes won another Super Bowl. Yeah. And then now we're in 2023. Bears are off to a two and five start. The Chiefs are still good. Packers are entering their first rebuild in 30 years and are still better than the Bears. Yep. And Deshaun Watson is off to a slow start and is hurt. Yep. So, really, my main takeaway is if what if the Bears had drafted Holmes or Watson? We could have had a ton of awesome matchups between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Who, by the way, have never faced off against Never so. had it. Or we could have had a ton of awesome matchup between Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So taking a step back, just looking at it from a football angle, we could have had some crazy head-to-head quarterback matchups. And as just the strictly Green Bay Packers perspective, if the Bears had made one of these two picks, we would not have had the I still own you moment. Duh, you son of a B. I was going to say that. Good call. Good call. Good call. <laughs> I was going to say that. that That's still – that'll always be my top five Packer moments. Always. Always. Yeah. So, if the Bears had some competent drafting, yeah. we wouldn't have the I still own you moment, which was uh, a lot of fun. They do it. Yeah, it's just uh, incredible stuff, man. All right. So, switching. Uh, Greg said the only good QB matchup Rodgers had in her division was Stafford and Cousins Sally. And you know what? Stafford was kind of handcuffed because those Detroit teams were kind of held back. You know, outside of like 2014 season, um, they made a little bit of noise in like 2010. But I mean, other than that, they were uh, pretty. He was pretty held back. Obviously, you saw that with him going to, you know, LA, getting matched up with uh, uh, McVay, and just winning a Super Bowl immediately. Yeah. Simon, I bet you're definitely going to want to go back and uh, and see the first two. Uh, Wisconsin sports, what if questions? Because now we're switching to basketball. Yeah, yeah, baby. So first, basketball-related Wisconsin sports, what if question. What if the Bucks had kept Dirk Nowitzki? Uh, this is interesting. There's definitely some some takeaways that I have from this. But... Yeah. So, <laughs> so kind of like I, I, I kind of took the same mindset with, with this one as well. As I went back, uh, Dirk was drafted 98th. Yeah, a ninth overall in the 1998 NBA draft. So I went and I was like, ah, I got to see what team Dirk was getting put onto. And boy, oh boy, was that a, was that a treat. Um, as a guy that was six years old when this draft pick happened, I have no idea who most of these people are. <laughs> uh, Except for one that went to Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everybody knows <laughs> Michael Finley. Um, obviously, you know, you know who Steve Nash is, uh, Hubert Davis. Uh, Sean Bradley, but like uh, Robert Pack. Um, obviously, I know Gary Trent because his son plays in the NBA right now. Uh, Samaki Walker, I remember him. But they had a center named Hot Rod Williams. <laughs> um, what? 
So I went back. Ever. Yeah, doing this. <laughs> but who the hell are you? Um, so I went over and I was like, okay, what I'm going to do. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm going to write down five seasons worth of stats for Dirk. Right? So Dirk's first year, he was kind of rough. He was he was definitely a project, man. Um, eight points, three rebounds, one assist. He shot 40% from the field, 20% from, from three-point range, and 77% from the free-throw line, which, like, you hear Dirk shooting 70% from the free-throw line, that just sounds wrong. Like, I would call you a liar. It was rough seeing him shoot 20% on threes his first year. Right, right. You know, because he's known as, like, the best big man shooter of all time, right? So, then you go into his second year, he takes a big massive jump. 17.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists. 46 from the field, 37 from three, and 83% from the free throw line. Now he's starting to look like the Dirk Nowinski that we know, right? You know, third year, 21, 9, and 2. He averaged one steal, one block. Fourth year, 20, 23, 9 rebounds, two steals, one block, one steal again. His fifth year, 0-2-0-3, 25 points, nine rebounds, three assists, 1.4 blocks, one steal, right? So you go through his averages from 1998 to 2003. He averaged 20 points, eight rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block. He shot 46% from the field, 37% from the three-point line, and 84% from the free throw line. So then you look at who the Bucks had, right? We had Big Dog. We had Sam Cassell. We had Ray Ray. Great, great shirt choice, by the way. So plan it. Plan that. <laughs> Very well done. Uh, we did not plan on both running bucks. It just kind of happened because we're best friends, and that's kind of how it works. <laughs> um, so then you go from 98 to 2003, right? I, I averaged all these guys' stats out as well. So Ray Allen averaged 21, 4.7, 4.1. Uh, he shot 45% from the field, 41 from three, which is disgusting. He shot 41% from three. A- add Dirk Nowinski to that, and he shot 89% from the free throw line. Sam Cassell, 19, 4, and 7, 46% from the field, 33 from three. That's going up with more space, 86% from the free throw line. Terrific free throw shooting, by the way. Glenn, Glenn Robinson, big dog, 20 points, six rebounds, two assists, 46 from the field, 33 from three, and 82 from the free throw. So I got two takeaways from this. One, the Bucks are winning two titles. They're winning two titles. They're going to win They're going to win the 0-1-0-2, and they're going to win the 0-2-0-3. Here care what anybody says. I looked up the finals. I looked up who they would have played. I looked up at all that stuff. The Bucks are winning two titles in a row. They're going to potentially become a powerhouse in the Eastern Conference. They're going to have one of the best superstar duos in the current NBA at that time, yeah. Ray Allen and Dirk Nowitzki. Would have been so perfect. A pick and pop, pick and roll game would have been disgusting. Dirk had a post game, so it would have been gross from there. Would have gave space. Plus for Big Dog in the post. Right. You, spacing around him. Imagine yeah. imagine pick and rolls with Sam Cassell, who was a great playmaker back then. Super smart guy. And with Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, that would have just been unfair. And I also have one more. The Bucks would have never traded Rayon. Rayon would have been a buck for life, in my opinion. Um, he would have stayed there, would have been an all-time great, because that was the era of basketball. We, you got to think this is before everybody started ring chasing, right? I mean, there was still a little bit of it. I mean, 
you know, at the end of your career, Gary Payton winning the Lakers, Carmelo winning the Lakers. Like, there was still that kind of stuff. But, like, superstars doing it, that wasn't a, that wasn't a thing. They were loyal to your team that drafted you, correct? So, I think that Ray Allen never would have got traded to the Supersonics, who was very good on the Supersonics, by the way. He almost averaged six assists per game his first year when he got there. And the Bucks win two titles. So, for me, the short answer is the Bucks win the 2001 championship. Um, having him and paying Dirk Nowitzki to, to stay a Milwaukee Buck, I think the Bucks could have avoided the O.J. Mayo contract. Ah. That set them back a little bit. Uh, rookie year, Dirk, like Jake said, was bad, like really bad. His defense was actually okay, but his offense was nothing like it came to know over his career. Uh, Jake brought up the shooting numbers. Second year, he started to really become the beast that we know him as. And in 2001, he averaged 22 points, 9.2 rebounds, and 2.1. Damn near a double-double on 47% from the field, almost 39% from three, and 84% free throw line. Would have made an already NBA best offensive rating even better. Dirk Nowitzki would have been the third best three-point shooter on that team, obviously behind Ray Allen. Yep. Can you guess who the other three-point shooter that he would have been behind is on the Bucks? I'll give you three guesses, and I bet you they're all wrong. I'm not going to get it. God, I don't know. I'm, you got to guess. Three I'm, guys, give me three names from the 2001 Milwaukee Bucks. God, I'm drawing blanks, man. Oh my. You know how long ago that was? You gotta know the roster at least, or at least the time period. I mean, I know the time period. Michael Jackson. God, I, I got nothing. You just, just tell me. Just tell me. Okay, it's not Sam Cassell. I know that because he was. It's not Glenn Robinson. I know he was. They, they, that's when they started to go down. It's not even Michael Red, who, fun fact, played six games with the Bucks in 2001. I don't think it's Tim Thomas. You answer Tim Thomas. Is it Tim Thomas? It is Tim Thomas. Good job, Dad. Tim oh, Thomas wow. in 2001 shot 41 percent on threes. What the hell? What? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Tim Thomas, 2001, shot 41 percent on threes. I would not have ever guessed that if I didn't actually look it up. I didn't think Tim Thomas was that good of a shooter. I didn't think he was. I thought he was like average. <laughs> and I left. Uh, I left Darvin Hamill because he took like three threes the entire season. So Ooh. I left him out. Yeah, T three. <laughs> I love it. Hey. Uh, that's awesome. So, also would have easily led the team in rebounds in 2001. The 2001 Bucks would have been so fucking good with Dirk Nowitzki. They're definitely winning the title. I don't, yeah. I don't want to hear it. Um, 2002 team had 41 wins with pretty much the same team, which could you imagine social media that year? Going from the Eastern Conference Finals to a 500 record. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Uh, 2003, or 2002, 2003, <laughs> um, the Bucks went 42-40, no defense. They, that resulted in the uh, Ray Allen trade, which didn't help. Um, then they went 41-41, and 30-52, 40 40-42, 28-54. That old 6-07 season, they could have really used a power forward. Yeah. 07-08, uh, they went 26-56, then 34-48. and 48. Then in 2009, 2010, they went 46 and 36. Like one good year there. And then 2010, 2011, they went 35 and 47. They were 30th in offensive rating. Dirk Kowski would have been a big help. Yep. And I still think that based on the 2011, 2012 season, they went 31 and 35, and then 38 and 44. And the next season got Giannis. 
I still think we could have had Giannis if the Bucks had kept Dirk Nowitzki. I think it's possible. Nobody really looked at him. They, they really weren't. He was still an unknown prospect when he came out. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's I don't think having Dirk would have prevented the Bucks from getting Giannis. Yeah. Giannis and Dirk together would have been really interesting. So the way I see it now is looking at if the Bucks have Dirk Nowitzki, he's established a power forward, obviously. Does Giannis develop maybe more as a small forward or a center or a point guard? I would think small forward. They could just make him like a point forward. That's what I think would happen. He came in really skinny. He had good ball handling. And he actually had a really good-looking jump shot when he first came in. Yeah. So It's yeah. interesting to think about because yeah. obviously power forward, you're not moving Dirk off of power forward to put in a rookie who weighs 125 pounds. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> So it would have been interesting to see what Giannis's development would have looked like right. if he wasn't playing as much powerful. Yeah. And the last thing, because this makes me sad, if the Bucks would have had Dirk Nowitzki, they would have never had Ursan Ilyasova. Oh, that was who it was. That was who it was. <laughs> oh, we need the Turkish Thunder. I know, we got to have Turkish Thunder. <laughs> he was an underappreciated player, but he was, he was, he, he did the dirty work. Ah, I love Ursan, dude. Milwaukee Bucks legend or Sonny Leo Soto. <laughs> the 77 version. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So we got one more Wisconsin sports related what if question. Yep. And this one is based on the 2019 season. So what if Kawhi Leonard would have missed his game winning shot to beat the 76ers in game seven of the second round playoffs in 2019? Could we have had a Bucks 76ers? Eastern Conference Finals in 2019. We would have. That was a game seven. It was tied. It was 90-90. So that oh, made yeah, it 90-90. Yeah, yeah. So they would have gone into overtime. But Philadelphia had a loaded lineup. The 29 yeah. Philadelphia 76ers roster yeah. had good Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. Yeah, they were, they were loaded. When I was looking at that roster, I was like, how the hell did they not win? And then they chose Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. And look at him now. <laughs> so we're going to get into this. 2019 was the birth of one of the best Giannis highlights of all time. Hmm. When he dunked on Ben Simmons and said, he's a fucking baby. One of the best highlights of all time. So if Kawhi miss, I do think that the Sixers go on to win the series. I do think that. It would be the Bucks versus Sixers. So this is the angle that I took. I went through all the games that they played. The Bucks averaged 125 points per game versus Sixers, 48 rebounds, 25 assists, seven steals, seven blocks. They shot 44% from the field, 32% from three, and 82% from the free throw. So they were scoring pretty much at will. Um, the 76ers averaged 120 points, 49 rebounds, 30 assists. They had one game where they had like 38 assists. So that really jacked up that, mm. that average. Uh, they averaged five steals, five blocks. They shot 45% from the field, 43% from three, and 70% from the free throw line. And the free throw percentage disparity is a really, really big thing. So then you go to the star players, right? So we're going to go from talking about skinny Giannis to uh, he's flexing in the gym and his arms look like legs, Giannis. <laughs> Giannis against Embiid was a fantastic matchup. When you hear about the totals, just hold on to your seat. Joel Embiid averaged 34 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists, 1.7 steals, and 2.3 blocks versus the Bucs. That is disgusting. 
He shot 41% from the field, 31% from three, and 76% from the free throw line. He had a, a plus-minus total of minus three for all three games. He was plus three the first game, minus six the second game, and he had a plus-minus of zero in the final game. But the Bucks took two out of three games. Yep. Giannis had an average of 43 points, 15.7 rebounds, 7.7 assists, 1.3 steals, and three blocks. The free throw percentage is crazy. Two, the second halves. I looked at the second halves. The Bucks outscored the 76ers in their three games by 20 points. They they scored 196 in the third and fourth quarters total. The 76ers scored 176, which is on brand. <laughs> 76. Um, so two things that would have happened. The Bucks would have would have won this series in six, in my opinion. Would have went out to their first finals. You know, before obviously the 2021, when it went on to the NBA Finals, they would have faced that stacked Warriors team, which lost to the Toronto Raptors, obviously. But there was a ton of injuries that happened. Clay Thompson got hurt. Um, Kevin Durant got hurt. Those are two major things. Steph Curry, did, you know, that following year had to have a year where he really had to learn how to play without Clay Thompson, right? And obviously, Kevin Durant, you know, left town. So when you look at that. I think that, you know, they wouldn't have got hurt, obviously, versus the Bucks because everything would have changed. I think the Warriors would have probably won that series in five games. And here's the most important thing that I think came out of that. One, we don't trade for Drew Holiday, which obviously led to a title and the best Bucks play in, in history. And then getting no Drew means no Damian Lillard. Those are the two things that I took away. Good job. I have that in my notes. Thank you. Thank Good you. That, those are the two things that I took away from this. So the way I looked at it is the Bucks won 60 games in the 2018-2019 season. They had the number one offense and the number 11 defense. The Bucks, like Jake said, were 2-1 and one against Philadelphia in that season. They averaged 125 points to Philadelphia's 120. So I looked at Giannis's, Chris Middleton's, Eric Bledsoe's, and Brooke Lopez's stats against the 76ers in those three games. Uh, Bledsoe did get hurt in the third one, and George Hill dropped 20 points in his absence. So looking at their stats, Jake already brought up the 43, 15.7, 7.7, three blocks, and 1.3 steals that Giannis averaged. His three games, 52, 32, and 45 points against the 76ers that year. Yeah, the dude, the the third game where he had like the, the five blocks, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That was the one in Philadelphia. I remember that. Yeah. So Embiid is not some Giannis stopper, right. and he hasn't been. Right. So Chris Middleton took 18 shots actually in all three games, uh, which I thought was kind of weird. But Chris Middleton against the 76ers that season averaged 22 points. 4.7 rebounds, 4.7 assists, and a steal on 39% field goal, 39% three-point, and 88% free-throw shooting. Eric Bledsoe, this is where I think we, we needed that upgrade. Um, Eric Bledsoe averaged 15 points, six, uh, six and a half rebounds, and – or sorry, six rebounds, 
five assists, and one and a half steals on 34.4% field goal, 27.23 point, 71.4% free throw. So we, we needed a better version of Eric Bledsoe. And then Brooke Lopez averaged 14.7 points, four rebounds, and 2.3 blocks on 41.7, 33.3, and 83% shooting. So Brooke Lopez was okay, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's really about Giannis mainly and Chris a little bit mixed in. Yep. So looking at it, we needed we needed a better version of Eric Bledsoe, but I still say Bucks and six. And then it's a Bucks Warriors championship, like Jake said. Now, I'm not gonna lie, Embiid and JJ Redick were problems for the Bucks. Um, Joel Embiid had 30, 40, and 34 against the Bucks. Um, there's no denying in 2019 that Joel Embiid kind of owned Brook Lopez a little bit. Yeah. And then JJ Redick, we knew that the Bucks were not great at defending the three point line. And JJ Redick had 19, 19, and 29 in the three games. Yeah, um, Jimmy Butler in the second game did have 27 points. But other than that, those those two were the main problems for the Bucks. Mm-hmm. And then what I'll say is, Philadelphia was not building a wall against Giannis. That was all Nick Nurse and Griffin, and and Adrian Griffin. So that was that was not being done by Philadelphia. So Giannis doesn't get bottled up like he did in the in the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals against the Raptors. Yeah. So I firmly believe the Bucks end up in that championship. Uh, the Bucks played the Warriors twice. They won 134 to 111, and then a month later, they lost 105 to 95. It would have been just again just a step back. Bucks Warriors would have been an amazing series. Yeah, it would have been amazing basketball. That would have been fun. Um, but let's just say, let's just say the Bucks win that championship like the Raptors did. I agree with Jake. I think Eric Bledsoe sticks around a little bit longer. Which means we don't end up with Drew. That means we don't end up with Damian Lillard. So <laughs> you brought up Eric Bledsoe's three point shooting, not the dog and the guy, but twenty two percent, right? Twenty seven. Twenty seven percent, which is not much better. You're going from twenty seven percent to Damian Lillard, who probably shoots over thirty three percent from thirty feet, bro. <laughs> I'm gonna pull it up. I'm gonna see what Damian Lillard's playoff three point percentage is. It's got to be nuts. I know yeah, last year he I want to say it's like 37, I think. I know last year he led the NBA in uh, most three-pointers made from third plus. I know he led in that. Uh, that's that's a straight-up fact. All right. We're going to find out here real soon here. Playoffs. Playoffs. Three-point shooting. I nailed it. 36.9. 36.9. So hey. basically 37% three-point shooter in the playoffs. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that, so, uh, that's going to be a welcomed upgrade yeah. for the Milwaukee Bucks, especially when they end up in half-court offense situation. Yeah, I mean, I don't really feel like I should have to explain this, but I'm going to explain it, right? We might have some new followers. When the playoffs come, the game slows down. Mm-hmm. It becomes more half-court. Yep. The last couple of years with – with Drew Holiday when the game slowed down. And, you know, this could be on the coaching too. This could not just the player, right? Um, Drew Holiday, you know, his offense went kind of stagnant. Our offense went kind of stagnant. They kind of just threw it to Giannis, and you're like, hey, you're big and fast, and you usually overpower people. Um, also, you know, while you're getting ran 
ran over by three people at one time and hacked and thrown to the ground. We also want you to continue to play elite defense, even though you're exhausted. The Damian Lillard thing does a lot of things on this front. One, Giannis doesn't have to carry all the offense load. That is perfectly fine with me. If Giannis wants, if Giannis, you know, from his comments the other day, if he wants to play second fiddle to Damian Lillard, let him play second fiddle to Damian Lillard. He's the best second fiddle that I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Two, um, the free throw shooting of Damian Lillard is going to be an absolute problem. We saw it once already. <laughs> it's going to be an absolute one game. Problem. It's already made one difference. <laughs> Giannis is going to have more energy on the defensive side of the ball, which we're going to be playing a much more up-tempo style of defense, getting some more runouts. Giannis is now going to get more free runouts. You saw Marjan get runouts. I mean, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to give away everything. That first game, I'm really excited for the potential of this team. I was trying to leave Tyler alone because he was at the game, you know, but you know, <laughs> every second I was watching the game, I was like analyzing everything. I was like, ah, oh, man, I wish me and Tyler were just watching this together, like on the camera and just talking about things that we see. But um, no, there was a lot of really, really good and positive takeaways. People are going to worry about, you know, Kelly Oubre shooting out of his mind. That shit happens. You I guys, saw some people say some dumb shit about that, too. I saw I saw some things about, like, Pat Conson and stuff. It's like, yeah. dude, do you guys don't understand that, like, the other players are NBA players, too? Like, they, they can shoot and they jump high and they run fast and – Google's you know, free too. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, whenever I, whenever people ask questions, right, they ask mostly dumb questions. Even though they, <laughs> the teacher lied to you and said there's no thing as a stupid question, they're stupid questions. Um, and I comment Google.com. You know, I always get some backlash, but it's like, dude, if you would just, it's free. I mean, obviously it's free to use, but I, it's not free to know how to use it. I guess. Uh, I guess we should maybe we should start a business uh, teach people how to use Google. That'd be awesome. That could be a thing. If we could get some money, you know, to we, so could, we could do some more. Of that. Realistically, we probably could do some some sports statistics tutorials of like where to find out how to look stuff up. We probably actually could. We do you know how petty that is? But I kind of want to do it now. <laughs> it might actually be somewhat beneficial to somebody to yeah, teach people how to find stats that they're looking for. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's an idea that we need to talk about. But you know. I don't even know where I was going anymore, but uh, Bucks in six, uh, they're going to be really good this year. If the Celtics stop getting bailed out by the damn refs, it's happened twice now that I watch games and bailed out. Their interior defense is going to be a problem, like you said it was. Who? The Celtics, their interior defense. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a problem. Oh, absolutely. Uh, with Giannis getting more post touches, dude, I mean, I don't see a reason why he doesn't just absolutely eat Kristaps Porzingis' points. <laughs> Porzingis got dunked on by Bam yesterday. He did. That was a crazy dunk, dude. <laughs> All righty. Well, thanks for tuning in again. Scroll through our content. See if you can find what the uh, secret phrase is for our 5,000 follower giveaway. The first person to comment on it on this video when we're done is going to win the 5K giveaway. We have a Jordan Love card. We have fan locks. We have a Giannis pop figure. Uh, I think we're going to throw some Wiscoe Fanatic stuff in there. Yeah, lots of stuff to give away. First person who comments the the secret phrase on this video is going to win it. And again, another thank you to Wisco Collect and Cardboard Legacy uh, and the Wizards Den for for sharing all this stuff all week to to get us some exposure. And uh, I think we're going to be doing their show in February as well. So we'll be back for that. And until then, we will see you guys on Wednesday. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.